I noticed something was wrong when I was sitting in my rocking chair with him and I noticed his uh, soft spot was pulsating. And I got this very like intense feeling and thought and was like, what if I just poked his soft spot? Yeah. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Happy Monday, you guys. I have a birth story and a postpartum story to share with you guys. I had Gabby come onto the podcast this week and Gabby experienced postpartum anxiety and postpartum OCD after the birth of her son. And she also had a horrible, oh my gosh, I cannot say horrible loudly (laughs) enough. She had a horrible experience in the hospital being cared for by the nurses and the staff. And it just, I think, fueled kind of her postpartum anxiety and her OCD that she experienced afterwards. It was just bad. I just got off recording with her and I feel so bad for her and just other people who have these horrible experiences with healthcare staff because it is just not a good representation of us as labor and delivery nurses and OBGYNs and midwives and just doulas and anybody who is in the birth space. We need to be communicating with our patients. We need to be listening to them. And that is not what Gabby experienced at all. So I'm not going to share too much. She has a really, really powerful story. So let's get right into it. Are you wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of your pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? When you're pregnant, it can feel impossible to stay on top of all the new stuff going on with your body, your baby, and your bulging at the seams to-do list. (laughs) Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. That's all one word, mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Gabby. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, family, where are you from, anything at all you want to share. All right. So my name is Gabby. I am originally from Chicago and I met my boyfriend at the time. We moved to Potterville, Michigan, which is like this tiny little town in Michigan. So I went from like living in a high rise to living next to people who have goats and chickens. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that was like a, that was a huge transition. Like a culture shock almost. It right? was a few, I, you know what? I was stuck behind like trucks and cars in Chicago. Yeah. Now here I am stuck behind like a combine and a tractor. And I'm like, what is going on with my life? 
life. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, I feel like I don't, I definitely don't live in like a huge city or anything, but yeah, I'm, it's rare that I'm following a truck with goats or anything. Yeah, no. you, know? you know what? Living in a city, I relied heavily on like Uber Eats and DoorDash. Yep. And so here I am driving 30 minutes into town. I'm yep. like, oh my God. Yep. <laughs> Why? Yep. Why did I do this? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we lived in our house for a few months and I actually found out I was pregnant. About a few months in total surprise. Yeah. And unfortunately, I had my baby during the beginning of COVID. So uh, my care and everything was there was a huge shift in my care. And my fiance, he's actually a physician and I'm a nurse. So we knew we had some insight, which really helped us, but it caused a lot of anxiety for me. So usually what I have people do is, do you mind sharing kind of, I know we talked about, you know, when you first moved in, you felt, you found out you were pregnant, but we can talk, talk about a little bit about your pregnancy and how that was. And then we can get into birth and then we can get into postpartum. Yeah. So I found out I was pregnant by total surprise. I was actually going to have my gallbladder removed mm. and my fiance at the time was like, Hey, can you take a pregnancy test for me? And I was like, what? Why? No, no, thanks. I was like, you're crazy. I actually was making a cup of coffee one morning. And I love, I live off of coffee. Yeah. I live off yeah. of it. Um, I threw up at the smell of it. And I was like, oh, shoot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Time to run to the store. Yeah. So found out I was pregnant. It was honestly one of the biggest shocks because we were not trying. We, you know, we just started, we just moved in with each other. We had only been dating for a year. Yeah. So it was, it was huge. And it kind of started out a little rough because it really sparked my, I have generalized anxiety disorder, always have my whole life. And it really heightened my anxiety. So I tried, I kept trying to suppress it and suppress it. Initially, I wasn't happy being pregnant. I did explore all my options, but ultimately I decided to have my son because it's something that just felt right to me. But my pregnancy journey came with a lot of emotions, a lot of fear and sadness and happiness at the same time. And it was just a lot to process. And nobody really talks about the emotions besides happiness. Yeah, for sure. But there's, <laughs> there's a whole string of them, right? I mean, gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes. There is a huge string that nobody talks about. One of them is being extremely fearful too. You know, they say, oh, you have some of that prenatal anxiety about like, oh, does the nursery look cute? Am I going to be feeding right? But I mean, mine went even deeper. It's like, I'm not married. What are people going to think? Does it even matter? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. So when would you say that you're, you said you have just generalized anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, just like a, as a baseline, but when would you say that you started to notice things were with, you know, they were getting worse during your pregnancy? I would say right around 20 weeks when I had that anatomy scan and I saw him mm -hmm. just, I saw the outline of him and I'm like, this is, this is real. This is a human being mm -hmm. inside of me that I'm growing and that I'm responsible for, for the rest of my life. It was a very big shock. And I think people don't talk about that at your anatomy scan either. It's all bliss and joy, but for is me- Is it a boy or a girl? Yeah. Exactly. I was yeah. so, I was really excited. Don't get me wrong, but also my generalized anxiety disorder took over. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So what kind of proceeded after that? Did you talk to your provider or did they just, or did you, and they just kind of were like, it's pregnancy related? Did they offer you medications? So they brushed it off as normal anxiety, normal new mom anxiety. And for some reason, there was this feeling like harboring deep inside of me that this anxiety just feels a little too intense for me. But again, I kept suppressing it and growing up, we didn't really talk about mental health. So I didn't know how to voice my concerns. I didn't know how to talk about how I was feeling. So I thought I was tough enough to just keep suppressing it and suppressing it. And that brings me to my labor and delivery mental health story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get right into it. You said that you got diagnosed at 38 weeks with the hype, with the gestational hypertension, right? You said, yes. So that led to an induction. Mm -hmm. So tell me kind of, were you at the office and they told you, and then they sent you straight to labor and delivery? No. So actually it starts out, I was eating a bunch of McDonald's. Oh, yum. <laughs> yes. It was like my 38 week. I was like, this is it. I need to just have my last. Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about three hours later, I felt just weird. It felt like I kind of had, you know, like a headband mm. around my head. The headache was very different. I started seeing like spots and I told my fiance at the time, I'm like, this is not okay. I don't feel right. And him, of course, he's a gastroenterologist. So he of course was like, well, are you constipated? I'm like, are you kidding oh, me? God. <laughs> That is our, that's the, the universal question in our house for any time anybody doesn't feel good. That is so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's like, well, are you constipated? I was like, no, I need to go to labor and delivery. So this feels wrong. And he kind of just was shrugging it off and was like, well, are you sure? Have you pooped today? I'm like, stop asking me these questions. Oh my gosh. It's like, we're going to get to that, but we need to talk about my headache first. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about, I was like, I don't think that has a lot to do. You know, he went over, are you dehydrated? Anyways. Yeah. So we get to labor and delivery and my blood pressure was 192 over 110. Yikes. Yeah. And I was like, well, I did just eat a bunch of McDonald's probably. I don't want to tell you how much because I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> Yeah, but that typically doesn't cause your blood pressure to get that high. <laughs> exactly what she said. So she's like, okay, I'm going to send you home and come back tomorrow on June 12th at 7 a.m. and we are going to induce you. And I was like, all right, I am, I'm ready to go. So went home, double checked my hospital bag. Thank you for your checklist, by the way. That You're welcome. Amazing. <laughs> And yeah, I did not sleep that night at all because I was just really excited and anxious and a whole lot of emotions. So 7 a.m. rolled around and of course my fiance at the time was a GI fellow. He went into work. He's like, well, I'm just going to do one or two scopes and then I'll meet you there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so my sister drove me to the hospital for my induction, walked in all by myself because at the time it was COVID and they had tons of restrictions. And I was afraid I was going to have to give birth by myself because our hospital had a very strict no visitor, no partner policy at the time. Oh, interesting. And this was this the same hospital that you work at too, that you delivered at? No, actually, this is the okay. hospital, my fiance. Oh, gotcha. That's right. You were at the med. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So he actually worked at this hospital and I think it was kind of sneaky of him to go into work in scrubs and he just kind of like slipped down into labor and delivery oh, and they're like, okay, they're like, no problem. You can stay. It's no big deal. Oh, interesting. Oh. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds like that was very smart. I am not very happy that you you did that. You could have maybe gave me a four. You could have told me first, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, and then I had my, they gave me Cytotech, which from what I know can take 24 hours for it to even, for you to start laboring. I started laboring in two hours. Oh. Yeah. So it worked very well. The nurse I had initially, mind you, this was in a small town of Michigan. I'm heavily tattooed. I'm unwed. We we have different last names, so that was hard deciding on the baby's last name with them. She really didn't want to touch me. She was not, she started my IV and kept a very, very big, you know, distance between her and I. And when my fiance came in, she kind of directed her questions towards him, not me, which I felt very belittled that no one was really listening to me when I said things or didn't kind of take my concerns into consideration or didn't take them seriously. Yeah. Which was really hard initially, just being in the medical field and being a nurse myself. It was very frustrating. Yeah. And how, I mean, gosh, like how rude. It was really rude, but you know, you're in the, you're in the wrath of labor. So you're not really thinking about, you know, how rude this is, or just, you're just ready to get that baby out. That's all I wanted. Yeah. So I ended up, you know, doing the birth. I was, you know, bouncing on the birthing ball, different positions. And finally, they were like, it's time for your epidural. And I was very gung-ho about that epidural. <laughs> that side attack worked. And now you're like, yeah, like what's the next step? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I got my epidural and the anesthesiologist, great placement. He bolus me and the bolus of fentanyl induced wicked panic attacks. Oh no. Yes. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I actually went numb on one side, but went numb really high up. Uh, like my whole arm was numb, my chest was numb. And when I said that, of course, this whole team comes rushing in, which just yeah. increased my panic. And then I started getting tunnel vision. And every like two minutes, they're like, squeeze my hand, squeeze my hand is, you know, they're checking blood pressures. And it was just the amount of people in the feeling just kept inducing panic attack after panic attack. And I was trying to tell the nurse, I think I'm having a panic attack. And she's like, no, you're not. You're fine. You're fine. Oh, I like it. just kept saying, you're fine. You're fine. And I was not fine. I was thinking like, okay, well, where's the crash cart? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm like, gonna I'm going to code. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, all right. Kept looking at the monitor. I'm like, there goes my blood pressure. There goes my heart rate. Here we go. And it was just me inducing all of these, you know, feelings and symptoms because I was panicking. But nobody physically said, hey, you're having a panic attack. I feel like if I heard those words, I would have been able to calm down more. Yeah. And have you had panic attacks prior to this? I did not. No. So you had no idea what the heck was going on? None at all. I just thought this was a side effect of the epidural that was gone wrong, that I was getting ready to go. And I was like, this is what it feels like. I've seen hundreds before in my life. So this is what it must feel like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It sounds like you had, when you're describing your epidural, you know, typically when they do the epidural, they put it in a specific spot and it's not supposed to block you above that spot. It's supposed to block you below. But sometimes when you put that 
you know, the catheter in, it can tilt up just a little bit and give you that medication and get really high. Like you were saying, you felt like your arms were going numb and I'm sure you felt like you couldn't breathe too. Yes. That was the other scary thing was getting, getting oxygen, which again, I've, yeah. I've had surgery and I just had that, you know, post-op. I've never had that awake. Yeah. So that was really frightening to me when they're like, put this oxygen on. Okay. We're doing this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. As my poor fiance is just as cool as a cucumber in the corner. Cause he knows exactly what's going on. I'm yeah. like, somebody please talk to me. Yeah. So nobody was explaining. People were just doing. Yes. Nobody yeah. explained anything. Yeah. I hear that so often <laughs> and well, not so often, but, uh, but when I hear about people's trauma. I hear that so often that they wish that things would just get explained in the moment. It makes such a difference. And I'm sure you know, as a nurse too, that, oh my gosh, communication, that's like lesson one of nursing, right? Like you need to communicate yes. with your patient. It is. And I think a lot of times, I'm not sure, maybe it's just me, but I feel like if you have a patient who's also in the medical field, more like advanced and knows more knowledge, you forget to communicate because you're like, they know, Yes, they know what's going on. We don't have to do this. Let's just focus on the patient. Yeah. And that's not, not appropriate. <laughs> it's so not because even, I don't care how much knowledge or background I have in an intense moment, it all goes out the window. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm not thinking of what's happening next. I'm just thinking of the exact moment. Yeah, for sure. And I will be one to say too, that I actually try not to tell healthcare providers that I'm a healthcare provider because yes. I agree. I feel like I get treated differently. Yes. I, I may, I can't stand when people are like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, nah. nothing right now. I'm, <laughs> right now I'm staying home with my two-year-old. Yeah. So that's what I say. I'm like, oh, I'm staying home with my two-year-old. Yeah. And that's the end of that sentence. Yeah. There's yeah. no more. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's, it's really, really sad that that is just a reality that it is. we think that, oh, you, you know, what's going on. I don't have to really explain anything. Yeah, no, it's really sad. And I feel like I get that a lot actually. Yeah. Everywhere I go for any type of appointment, I've had very few physicians who actually explain to me or they'll be like, oh yeah, you know. And I'm like, I, I really don't have that. I don't. There's a learning curve in nursing school versus medical school. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So these panic attacks were happening. And then you said you got, you started to get the tunnel vision. Did you actually pass out? I did not pass out. Okay. I started getting the tunnel vision and my fiance actually, when I said that he stepped in and was like, let's, you know, breathe. He's like, just look at me, tell me how you're feeling, focus on me. And that helped calm me down a lot. Okay, good. And once he stepped in, I think I was able to focus more on him. My labor progressed rapidly. Ah. Yes. It took me from the time Cytotech was administered to the time my son was born, a total of 12 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty quick for your first one. Yeah. It was very quick. And I'm very yeah. nervous about the second one now. It's going to be like, well, oh, it'll be okay. I'm going to sneeze and be like, oh, there's the baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it often, it often does. It often is a little bit quicker, but I tell people that, you know, you, you know what to expect more too. So yes, <laughs> there's that to that, hang on to. That is the key phrase. You know, your first baby, you have no idea what to expect. You can watch all the videos. You can, I was as prepared as I could be. And still it was not, I felt yeah. a little still unprepared. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, 
did they, 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 were they, I'm sure they were giving you medications and giving you fluids and like trying to reverse this, this high level that you were having eventually did it wear off and you were able to continue labor or what happened after that? Yes. It okay. wore off and they dropped my epidural down to the lowest dose you could possibly administer. Uh-huh. So- when I say I feel like I birthed natural, yeah, it was. I'm very convinced that's what it feels like because yeah, there was some things that were going on that I'm like, where was this in some of the videos I watched? Where was this explanation of the ring of fire and why does my baby feel like he's coming out of my butt? My butthole, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, I think I screamed my butthole at least five or six times. Yeah, that's and a common word. That was like, Stop talking about your butthole. I was like, but he's coming out of my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So once the epidural was, I guess, it it's good that it wasn't making you feel like you couldn't breathe, but it was, wasn't working so well now. <laughs> it didn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work at all. So you're saying that you progressed really rapidly and yes. you started, how long did you push for? I pushed for three hours. Oh gosh. Yeah. And towards the middle, you know, towards like, I think two hours, I was like, please, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And uh, let me actually step back for when my water broke. Yeah. They actually thought they saw meconium in my water. Okay. So that I, but again, nobody told me this. Nobody told me that. They told my fiance. So as you know, I'm pushing this team of NICU pediatricians, I mean, you name it, came rushing in. And I'm like, more people rushing in. I can't possibly see more people in this yeah. room. Do you yeah. all fit in here? Yeah. yeah, which is something that most hospitals do if you have meconium. But again, if it didn't get explained to you, you think there's, oh my God, yes. there's something wrong with my baby. And like, there's, or there's something wrong with me. And like, what's going on? And it's so infuriating uh-huh. that nobody's communicating with you. So they offered me the mirror too. And I was like, I don't need the mirror. I don't need the mirror because they placed me in front of the whiteboard and the light that, you know, the light above you, it was shining in the reflection off of the whiteboard. I could see my son coming out. So I was like, get the mirror out of here. I got a mirror already. Yeah. (laughs) So that was very comical, but he came out and he actually didn't cry at first. So that was the most like I mean I feel like the world just completely stopped I have I can't even recall what happened afterwards all I was just focused on was why isn't he crying he ended up crying after a few seconds and a few little sternal rubs to get him going yeah they kept trying to convince my fiance hey cut the cord cut the cord but he was like just cut it and get him examined if there was meconium yeah but that was a very it felt like forever that he was going back and forth with the nurse about I was like, someone give me the scissors and I will cut him. If you guys yeah. can't figure this out, please. Turns out he didn't have meconium. He was great. Hmm. It was perfect. Good. But nobody explains the the birthquakes after. Oh gosh. Yes. I'm glad you call them birthquakes. I don't know who, like some, like, why aren't they called that? I don't <laughs> <You> know. know. <laughs> I have no idea. But when I mean, I, it was the most intense shaking I've ever experienced in my life. Yes. I started having those, I mean, probably right as the placenta came out, Mm -hmm. I just started shaking uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. And again, nobody explained it. Didn't know what was going on. They're like, oh, it's it's normal. It's just your hormones. I was like, 
I couldn't even talk. I was like, okay, this is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Which is correct, but also like you got to look at the patient and how she's handling what's going on with her body. Right. And just given the history of my panic attack with that epidural, I thought something was wrong again. Yes. Yes. You're like, am I having another panic attack? I had no idea. So I'm just shaking, shaking, trying to bond with my baby. And quite honestly, there was no bonding that. I mean, I was just very enamored with how amazing this little creature is in my arms and how I just did this the most amazing thing in the world. But that instant love at first sight and that whole bliss didn't happen for me. Yeah, It did not. I was very, very focused and very, everything was taking over with these shakes and this panic attack that I really couldn't focus on my son. Yeah. And I couldn't really focus on feeding him either. It was really hard to initiate that. And nobody explains when you start breastfeeding that your uterus contracts. And it's not just a small, like, oh, I have my period cramp. That was intense. Yeah. Ugh. It's. I mean, it sounds like nobody was talking to you at all, like during the whole. No. Ugh. It was very get in, get out. Yeah. Kind of thing. Especially, I think a lot of it had to do with the beginning of COVID. You know, yeah. they weren't sure how to handle COVID, how to handle the situation with inpatient. Because they honestly, they asked me about twelve hours later if I wanted to go home. 12 hours. Wow. 12 hours. Yep. Wow. After I birthed my son and I denied that. I'm like, absolutely not. I need my, you know, you need to be checking my CBC. Where am I? Like, what's my platelet count? What's going on with me? You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right, this one says, Hi, Liesl. My husband and I got through all the labor and delivery sections of your unmedicated course. I ended up going into preterm labor and my water breaking at 36 weeks and three days. I ended up giving birth vaginally with an epidural. We are currently sitting in the NICU as our little boy grows stronger, and I wanted to reach out and say a huge thank you. Thank you. Even with my birth plan needing to drastically change, I felt far more empowered with all the knowledge you shared. It gave me confidence to advocate for me and my baby, as well as knowledge in what to expect when situations change. Thank you for all the hard work you put into educating others. Oh, I love that. That is so cool too. When I get messages from you guys that just had your babies or you're like still in the hospital, (laughs) like she said, she was in the NICU, like holding her baby. So I love like the sooner, the better you can send me a message after you give birth. I love that. Like just immediate message. Are you interested in birthing without an epidural? Did you know that simply wanting a natural birth isn't always enough? Many mamas fall into the trap of wanting a natural birth without fully preparing for a natural birth. And often that results in an epidural and plenty of disappointment. And girl, there is nothing wrong with having an epidural. Okay, let's be clear. But if your dream is to go natural, you need straightforward birth education so you know exactly what it takes. Birth It Up, the natural series will help you feel and stay confident and in control during your unmedicated birth. It's simple. Access the class, erase the unknowns, and get ready to rock your natural birth. To learn more, head over to mommylabornurse.com slash natural birth. That's mommylabornurse.com slash natural birth. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. 
So did you deliver somewhere where you stayed in the same room after you had your baby or did you go to postpartum? I did go to postpartum and okay. I, you know, I'm not sure if this is normal, but they made me right after that epidural came out. I had to walk my son in the crib to my room. Oh, like over to your, mm -hmm. like you didn't go in a wheelchair? No, they made me walk. Oh, oh, no, yeah. that's not normal. Yeah. So they were like, get up, time to walk, time to walk. And I was like, I feel like I'm on pat. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm oh exhausted. Gosh. Yeah. I'm bleeding from, I've never seen this much blood in my life. So they're like, nope, push the baby. Come on. You got to walk. You got to walk. And I don't even know how I got to my room. It took me forever, but they're like, and I just kept hearing, come on, come on. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Oh, I had just you know, birthed a watermelon out of a pinhole. How is anybody supposed to walk after yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know what to say because I'm stunned. Like I would never walk my patient who had an epidural, like all the way to postpartum. And I mean, I don't know how far away it was, but like, it's usually not like the next door. It's usually like down a hallway and then, you know, wherever. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. I would never do that. So Tell me, once you walked yourself over to postpartum, how was your postpartum stay over there? Was it the same sort of communication barriers or did you have nicer nurses over there? No, big communication barrier. Aww. I actually, I started having panic attacks again, but finally Aww. my fiance was able to explain. He's like, I think you're having a panic attack. He's like, you know, he's like, I'm not going to tell you just relax. He's like, try and focus on breathing and whatnot. And I just couldn't. The only thing that was helping me feel comforted was holding my son, but they were like, you need to put him down. He needs to sleep. You need to sleep. <sighs> so they gave me Benadryl. What? They gave me, they're like, you need to a Benadryl to calm down. To help like, you sleep? What? <laughs> I have no idea what that is going to do for me. But at the time I wasn't thinking about that. I was like, please just give me anything to help me focus because I just felt like my brain I just felt like I really wasn't on this planet almost yeah yeah so before we get to your you know going home because I know that there's a lot to talk about when you got home too yes <laughs> tell me exactly kind of what happened when you experienced one of these panic attacks like physically in your mind what did it feel like so someone else if they had the same thing happen they're like yes. oh okay this is what this might be the first thing I noticed was actually my limbs going cold. Okay. They kind of felt very cold and not like I had the chills. It was kind of like a very deep internal cold feeling. And that is what really jumped my mind to thinking something's not right. This is not, this is not okay. And then your mind just starts to race and you start to spiral. Your mind just starts spiraling into why are my limbs cold? Am, I'm in the hospital. Am I dying? Am I going to code? What's going on? And your mind just does not settle. And then I started feeling very faint, like I was going to pass out. So the cold on top of the faint feeling made me feel like I was about to meet the end. Yeah. Much. Yeah. And the thing is, is you just keep shaking and you just, your mind just keeps racing and you can't settle down and you're looking for someone. You're looking for answers. You're looking for someone to like save you almost. And so I did bring that up to my provider. I was like, I feel cold. I feel shaky. I feel really faint. And she's like, oh, well, that's just hormones. I'll give you a Benadryl. Ugh. Yeah, the Benadryl really didn't, didn't do much. I don't like <laughs> your hospital. <laughs> I didn't like it either. Um, oh my gosh. Was, yeah, it was a, 
I've had amazing care everywhere I've gone my whole life. And this was my first, of course, the major event yes. in my life. Yeah. Had to be the, the negative one. Yeah. Well, on behalf of all birth providers, I'm sorry for that experience. That, that is, is not the norm. <laughs> okay. Glad to hear that because, <laughs> you know, it was made out to feel very normal. Yeah. Like kind of very nonchalant. Everyone was being with me and my hormones and how I was reacting postpartum. So I really did think it was kind of normal. My lactation consultant was very breast is best, which, mm -hmm. you know, I was very um, gung-ho on breastfeeding. Did not like it. Mm -hmm. The first few times I tried, I was like, I don't like this. This feels, it, it. not that it felt unnatural. It just felt very, it was very hard for me. He wouldn't latch. He wouldn't take. I mean, it was like fighting to feed him. And she just kept forcing it. And she's like, come on, try again, try again. And then she ordered what's called OMT for him mm -hmm. to kind of, she was like, well, maybe some OMT will help with his neck and kind of, you know, he's very, he's very tight in his neck. So I agreed, didn't help much. Mm -hmm. And she did not explain the pump to me. She just gave me the pump and was like, use this as a last resort. Oh. So I didn't really know what to do with the pump, but luckily my fiance was like, get the pump on. We're going to pump. He's like, don't even stress yourself out with this. Yeah. Ugh. That's not nice at all. I don't like any of this story, okay? <laughs> I know, I'm trying to find a happy, positive moment besides the resident who delivered my baby was a gem. She was okay. amazing. She was okay. so sweet when I told her, I was like, can I please stay another day? I don't feel ready to go home. She's like, oh, okay, no problem. Let's stay. She's like, we'll get you all patched up and ready to go. I was like, Thank you Aww. for being so sweet. Oh gosh. So you were pumping. You think you know what you were like doing with the pump as you were being discharged then. Yeah. Who knows if I was pumping? I yeah, was who knows? Pumping. There was something on me and something was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, something was stimulating something. Exactly. So now you're discharged and did you go home and still try to latch him on or were you just sticking with the pumping or what happened? I did try to latch him on and okay. it was very hard for me. My hormones were out of control. I mean, the tiniest little thing I would cry my eyes out over. I could not sleep because I was so hyper fixated on him breathing. Mm -hmm. I was like, is he breathing? I almost bought an outlet at one point because I was like, I haven't gotten a wink of sleep because I need to watch him breathe. And I did read, you know, the baby blues. That is normal. New moms, very focused on that. Yes. But it never went away. That yes. was the big thing. Yes. And that and it's very it sounds very extreme. And that's what we talk about with baby blues versus postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, which it sounds like this was for sure postpartum anxiety, that yes. hyperfixation, that I can't sleep, that those racing thoughts. I know trust me, I had I know, I know your pain. <laughs> it was <laughs> it's not fun. It is not. And it was so intense. It just consumed all of me that even him feeding, like trying to latch was so mind consuming. I was like, well, how many ounces did he get? Am I even, is he even feeding? He won't latch. He's getting too skinny. I mean, I was very hyper fixated on his weight as well. Cause you know, babies lose weight after they're born, but I was like, he's not eating. His stomach is the size of a little walnut, but I was more like, he needs to be eating a meal. It's a very weird feeling. Yeah. And, and again, 
sounds like nobody was telling you these things. You were just like, no. okay, uh, let's guess. You know, I followed your Instagram page, which was extremely in, like inform like informative. Glad I could help a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really informative on postpartum, which was kind of where I started realizing something was not right yeah. when he was about five months old. Okay. I was still very hyper fixated on things. And then intrusive thoughts actually started taking over, which I've never had before in my life. And they were all about him. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about those if you don't mind sharing. No, I don't mind sharing at all because yeah. I, you know, I went to my provider right away and sought out therapy. I noticed something was wrong when I was sitting in my rocking chair with him. And I noticed his uh, soft spot was pulsating. And I got this very like intense feeling and thought. I was like, what if I just poked his soft spot? Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this is, I've never had a thought like this in my life. And it, it paralyzed me to the point where I had to put him down in his crib. And I went and sat in my bed and started crying because I couldn't believe how could a mother who loves her baby unconditionally ever have such a thought like that? Yeah. Oh, that is that is postpartum anxiety for you. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Well, I ignored it actually. I ignored that thought and I was like, I'm better than this. This isn't me. So around nine months, he was nine months old. I was taking a shower and all of a sudden I had those panic attacks like I did during birth, but they mm. never went away. I kept having these intrusive thoughts after thoughts, just the cycle you know, the anxiety cycle that I couldn't break with intrusive thoughts. And then I kept having to seek affirmation from my fiance. Am I crazy? Are you sure I'm not crazy? Are you sure I'm not going to hurt him? Are you sure I'm not going to hurt myself? Oh gosh. Do I need to go to the hospital? Do I need to be psych inpatient? Like something's wrong. And he knew exactly what was going on. Okay. And it was, it was debilitating. It was paralyzing. I couldn't get off the couch for about a week because I was afraid to touch my son. I thought these thoughts were what I wanted to do. And I mean, some of these thoughts were like, what if I tripped down the stairs? What if I threw him down the stairs? What if I yeah. accidentally dropped him in the bathtub? Things that I never thought of in my life. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, you said it when you first started talking about it, but it, it like horribly terrifying <laughs> to experience all of this. It was horrifically paralyzing. And then those thoughts came with panic attacks because I thought, this was me. This is it. You know, you read these, you see these stories on the news. I'm going to be on the news. This is what's going to happen. So I refused to touch my son for a few weeks. I had to have my mom come help me because I couldn't feed him, couldn't be around him. And that was even harder on me because I just wanted to be with my baby, but I felt that I wasn't safe, uh, but I was. Yeah. And my provider, I told her all of these thoughts and she gave me a hug and she said, what you're experiencing is a postpartum mood disorder, specifically postpartum OCD and postpartum anxiety. And we started medication and she said, you're going to feel worse for a few weeks before you feel better. I got on a very strict therapy plan two times a week and it did take time. It took about two months before, I mean, I slowly started to feel better. But my therapist taught me techniques to help me calm down and help me bring me back to reality when I felt like I was slipping. And well, here I am today. I yeah. feel amazing. I mean, I can talk about it now without 
yeah, feeling like someone's going to take my child away from me. Yeah. When did you feel like you were able to start talking about it? Maybe six months ago. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it took a little bit of time, but that's good. And had you ever done therapy for your anxiety before this? No, this was my first time on medication. This was my first time in therapy. So opening up to a therapist initially was a struggle. Yeah. There is this fear when you have those intrusive thoughts, they don't resonate with who you are as a person. And you're afraid to open up to a stranger about it because I was definitely afraid CPS or something, they were going to come to my door and take my child because I was worried that people would think I'm unfit as a mom for having these thoughts, but they went against who I am as a person. There was no action taken with these thoughts. The only action taken was protect my son at all costs from me, from these thoughts. Oh my gosh. So you said that you started slowly feeling better with the medication and the therapy and it took about two months. Yes. You would say for like, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I feel like I'm out of like the cloud. Yes. And that's a good word for it. I really did feel like I was in this, not even gray, just this black cloud of, it was, I can tell you the exact month. It was January. Okay. It was January when this happened. And I don't recall much of January. The black cloud started lifting around the middle of February because I went to Arizona and I was able to enjoy Arizona without thinking, wow, I'm a bad person or wow, my, you just constantly think about your anxiety when you're in the middle of this. And then when you're doing something you enjoy, you're like, where's my anxiety? And then you feel anxious again. So it took some time to finally feel free from just kind of like the anxiety shackles that it had on me. Yeah, totally. Had you ever heard of postpartum anxiety or postpartum OCD before you experienced it yourself? I did not. No, I've only heard of postpartum depression, which I showed no symptoms of postpartum depression. It was, yeah, there was no crying spells. I did not feel worthless. I didn't feel unfit. I just felt viciously, viciously anxious. Yeah. And let me ask you another thing. So at your follow-up postpartum, did they screen you at all for postpartum anxiety? No. They screened me for postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And I had a third degree tear actually. Mm -hmm. And nobody even checked my incisions. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of walked in. What birth control do you want? And they were like, are you breastfeeding or pumping? I'm like, yep. They're like, okay, depot shot it is. Minister depot looked at my screening, sent me on my way. That's so sad. That is not, that is not how it needs to be here in Mm-mm. this country. No. I mean, oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, so, okay. How old, let's just get a time frame. So you said your son is two, two now. Yep. And you said this happened this year, like earlier this year in February, you were starting to feel better. No, it actually happened at the beginning of 2021. Last January. year. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So how old was, how old about was your son when you were like starting to feel better? He was right around 13 months actually okay. when I started to finally feel better. Gosh. So this was like a whole, like over a whole year. It was. And once I started to take medication and do therapy, my bond with him intensed. I mean, it was like, yeah. I woke up one day and it was just like the most magical. It was just what I had been waiting for. It brought tears to my eyes. It was so magical. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so in love with you. I, I just know you, I just feel so connected to you now. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was great. It was like that black, even gray cloud was just gone. Yeah. And I just couldn't wait to almost like get to know him better and play with him more and spend more time with him. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It took so long, but it happened. That's all I care about is it happened. Yes, absolutely. What would you say were some of the first that you said that, you know, one day you woke up and you felt this bond. What would you say were some of the first things you noticed that made you realize that, okay, I'm going to get out of this. I was able to cook breakfast without thinking about my anxiety, without having an intrusive thought, without even worrying about where are my intrusive thoughts. Mm. I was just cooking breakfast and talking to my son and that was it. There was nothing really going on in the background in my head. And that is what felt so refreshing and freeing. <sighs> Amazing. And one last question. Are you going to go to the same hospital and use the same provider if you have another baby? No, girl. No. Right <laughs> now, we are at, we're in a state where I went to, I just met with an OB recently and I loved her Yay. and I'm so ready to continue on my journey here. I'm living in South Dakota. So yeah. again, small little country style. I love it now. I don't think I can go back to the city. <laughs> Sounds great. It sounds it great. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I'm glad that it sounds like, you know, you found somebody who you feel like can listen to you. And that is so, so important. And yes. I'm just so glad that you came on. And even though ha had such a horrible experience, like it is so, so important to talk about these experiences because this is how we spread awareness. And this is how other people who are experiencing the same thing are like, wait a second, this, wait a second, like this isn't normal. <laughs> Yeah, no. And I'm very glad I'm able to talk about it now because no one was able to talk about it with me. Yeah. And so just spreading some awareness that there is more to postpartum, you know, there's, it's not just postpartum depression. There's other things that can come that can sneak up on you and never second guess what you're feeling. If you feel off, go seek that help immediately. And if that provider doesn't listen or dismisses you, find somebody else. Yes. Listen to yourself. Yeah. Listen to your gut, right? Yes. Yes. Unless you're constipated. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it should be the name of the episode. Listen to your gut, unless you're constipated. <laughs> unless right? you're constipated, yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for joining me today. Do you have a social media or anything that you want to share in case anybody wants to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I have, I just have Instagram. I'm kind of boring. No TikTok okay. right now. Sorry. No, okay. people. <laughs> it is Gabby Daney is my okay. Instagram and it's D-A-A-N-E is the last name. Gotcha. Well, we will link that in the show notes for people who are listening, who want to connect with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to meet you. <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? 
Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.